FMX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables presented by Maxis Tires, Scott Goggles, and Pro Taper. Mathis and Weege revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Lee at Re-Raceables. Thanks for watching. Uh, thanks for listening, I should say. We are doing this remote, deep, deep, deep in the heart of Florida, but that's because one of our special guests is, is here with me, and uh, it's nice to have him on here. Talking Miami 1989, 125, 250 race. It was a really, really unique race in the uh, history of Supercross for many reasons, and it's historical as well. We'll get into that. Thank you to the folks at Liat. Liat.com. It's a promise of more to come, uh, whether it's boots, whether it's uh, gear, mountain bike, protection gear, all of it. Liat makes it. Uh, you look at the solitaire guys running Liat gear. I was out with Lorenzo Lercurcio today at the Sandbox. He's got Liat boots on as well. So if you want to save with the folks at Liat, simply email us using the contact form on pulpamex.com. And I will pass you a code to save at Liat.com. So thanks to those guys for coming on board. We'll tell you more about Maxis, Guts Racing, Scott Goggles, Decal Works later on in the show as well. But, uh, yeah, Miami 89, looking forward to doing this. With me in studio here at the Hilton Garden Inn, deep <laughs> in the heart of Florida, it's Seth Rarick. What's up, Rarick? How are you? Uh, good. Excited to do this one. I, I've My whole life, I've heard a lot about this race. Yep. Uh, I've heard tall tales of this race mm -hmm. and uh, heard how legendary it was, but I've never actually watched it. So to go back and rewatch this was pretty cool. And uh, to find out I knew 99% of the guys in it was a little surprising mm -hmm. being it happened before I was born, yep. but uh, also found some, uh, some new things too that yeah. I'm excited about. All right. Yeah, we'll get into it. Uh, and also on the line, uh, it's Jason Wygant. What's up, Weege? Yeah. Just a legendary race, and it was fun to go back and watch it. I had watched this one a million times back in the day. It's funny, Steve, we talk about this a lot. Sometimes you watch these back, and you're like, no, that's not exactly how I remember it. But this one, this one pretty much was. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, the Sand Supercross and the unbelievable Damon Bradshaw come back, and it's exactly as I remember it. So this is unique for me because this was my first ever American Supercross as a child. I... I was 14. Yeah, you went. You went I was in race. the stands. It was the first time I ever smelled weed. <laughs> I remember telling my dad, what? like, what's that smell? You know? What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, it seemed like not many fans were there either. Oh, no. It was empty. It seemed very it empty. It was empty. So I was uh, up from Canada, obviously. My dad, myself, and my buddy Kyle, we drove down to Croom to go riding, and we hit... Atlanta 89 and Miami 89, but Miami was first. Atlanta was the next week. We went back up to Atlanta. That's when I raced Am Atlanta amateur day uh, in the morning of the race against, <laughs> against Robbie Renard. And, but this one we just watched. So we drove all the way to Miami and I'll never forget it. Like just, my dad was an animal driver. So like we didn't stop, you know, we just drove and Kyle had a driver's license. So they, they drove. Did they have an amateur day at Miami? No, no, oh, I, I, was I don't remember. Yeah, I was going to say, this track looks but, so treacherous, and, I can and, imagine. And I, the one thing I remember was, obviously, we were cheering for Rollerball. He was there, cheering for Valancourt, uh, cheering for Bomber. Mark Barnett was making a comeback this year. It was not going well, but we were cheering for Barnett. 
And then also the guy in front of us, besides the weed smoke, the guy in front of us kept saying, <laughs> bring the smoke in, bring the smoke in when the bikes were on the line, you know? And we're like, this is, this, this is weird, Miami. Like, you thought you should want the weed smoke? I think he was talking about the two-stroke smoke. Um, so, no? that, okay. so I was at this race. Uh, and so that's really weird because it is unique. It's a, it's a sand track. <laughs> and then also Rick Johnson's last Supercross win. This race it was the next yeah. week. No, sorry. The was next it? week, Stanton beats him, and then the, after that was Gainesville, correct? Yep. Yep. That and was it. Then uh, Bayman Bradshaw's first Supercross win. Wait, so he started this season five in a row. Uh, RJ, R- did. R- yeah, mm-hmm. RJ, yes, five in a row, second done, dude. He was, I mean, he was Jet Lawrence. He was McGrath. Yeah. He was whatever you want to say. Yeah, right, what, what? right, Weege. Oh, yeah. RJ's peak prime was as good as anyone's. Actually, here's what's crazy. So, yeah, he actually became the all-time winningest Supercross rider at the time after winning this. But it's only 28 wins, which seems laughable now. But if you actually look at RJ's, like, win percentage, including Nationals during his run, it's still right up there. Like, he won, I don't know, 70 or 80% of the races over, like, a three-year span. Mm -hmm. It's still right up there, dominance-wise, when you consider – both series uh, every year, or or the the nationals were split. But basically, from January to October, he was winning almost every race for three years. Yeah, it Pretty was crazy. It was nuts. He was the man, yeah. and dude, his yeah, his gear, his bike, everything. So after this race, we went to the pits to get autographs, and you know, ran around like little monkeys trying to get autographs. And again, I'll never forget this either. RJ was out there to the very end, signing anything. And as a matter of fact, he signed. A cigarette package. <laughs> a guy in front of me handed him a cigarette package, and he signed it. And he was signing tickets, and he was signing everything. And he was he was the man of the people, and it was late at night, and he was still signing, dude. So that's awesome. I witnessed it firsthand at this race in Miami. So um, really, really cool. We're gonna have Denny Stevenson on with us now. Obviously, Bradshaw is the star, but if we call Bradshaw, he'd be like, "Yeah, I don't know, man. It was just Sandy, and I won." <laughs> Denny will help us break it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know. You know what was crazy going back and rewatching this is a lot of times I go back and watch rewatch old races and it, it the rider style it just doesn't exactly line up as how you remember as a kid like you could tell they're it, it, they're dated like their style their technique uh-huh. obviously the bikes you could tell it's just they're just like have that old vet style kind of you know as a kid you don't remember that mm-hmm. and anytime I've seen a race from the 80s that's definitely what the first thing I pick up on yeah but RJ two guys well three guys really stats to me, but RJ and Bradshaw, really, mm-hmm. they were, they were pretty modern riding style. And Lachine also, Lachine, they didn't show Lachine, but they didn't show him around much, this yeah. time. Lachine looks as Lachine looks Tomac ish. Yes. Not R- as strong. RJ as big, and Bradshaw but. were clearly the class of each field mm-hmm. and their style was, I almost think it was, it's, it would be relevant today in a way. And, uh, Another guy jumped off the page to me this race was Tishner. He's underrated, man. Yeah, well, I'm going to get in. I got a little Tishner spiel. Tishner, uh, I'm gonna get into he's a really good rider. Yeah. He, really good rider. He was. He was trapped in those Suzuki years. Yeah. Uh, Weege was a big Suzuki guy, so Weege knows. Uh, so many. This is going to be the guy, guys, that didn't turn out to be the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe Denny was one yeah. of them? I don't know. Was Denny one of them? Uh, probably. I mean, any of these 125 Supercross champs, they seriously had probably a dozen. Yeah. That you're like, okay, when he goes up to the 250s, it's going to happen. And um, I don't think it happened for a single. One. I don't know if any one of them even won a single 250 race. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Right. Um, there's yeah. so so many. Yep. And then Budman. Budman was the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was 
Oh, it was a Suzuki. Endless. Yeah, endless thing. Uh, the first thing that sticks out about this is, is this the only sand track in Supercross history? All sand? Yeah, it was treacherous. <laughs> track looked gnarly. Oh, my God. What? Weesh, did you get any information on this sand? Yeah, I did. So I hit up uh, Davy Coombs and said, like, did they do this because they thought it would be cool to have a sand Supercross track or they had no choice? So he actually asked Roy Jansen, who I think was working for the AMA at the time, Roy's still around with MX Sports. He said they were trying desperately to find clay, and the only clay they could find, they were literally trying to work with the company. They got clay <laughs> for Daytona, 75 miles from Daytona. How, Dude, how far would that be from Miami? Six yeah. More hours? <laughs> right. Yeah, right. So yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, they're like, we can't do it. So then they found some construction site that swore they would be fine, and then this is what they got. They got this. It looked like sand, but Roy said it was more like a, like like dry chewing gum yeah it definitely um, wasn't all sand because the jumps yeah. held up the faces yeah. held up dude somewhat. it was gnarly though yeah like th- this They're same track the yeah. same track today would be very very gnarly oh, yes. i mean especially with yeah. the bikes today yeah. they obviously break down so much more yeah but yeah the track was i was i can't believe well, at least they didn't show it anyway someone just dragging pegs on the face of a jump and just indonesia that's what <laughs> i was kept waiting for but uh, it, the broadcast was very quick, so it somewhat held up. Yeah, it did. It, it, yeah. it really did, and it um, separated the men from the boys. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, uh, remember, how did it okay. work? Like, how did the jump stay so pointy when they were made of sand? Like, I, I do not understand. <laughs> I, I don't know. Do you remember <clears throat> Vancouver was moon dirt? We all talked about mm-hmm. Vancouver Supercross yep. World moon dirt. Yep. This falls into mm-hmm. that category of we don't know what this dirt was. Yeah, it was a little like. Is it possible it, it was radioactive and it somehow <laughs> stuck together? I don't. It know. It looked a little <laughs> like the track base looked a little bit like Indy last year, but then with a bunch of beach sand thrown on top yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, and it, it looked gnarly. It, did somewhat hold hold together. It right? did. Yeah. And uh, about a millimeter deeper ruts on the face of the on-off yeah. Bradshaw was jumping. It would have been see you later. Uh, Bradshaw crashes three times, I think, in the main <laughs> event and still wins. He's going so fast. He, he's going... Yeah, he he's going beast mode to yeah. steal a tone from Tomac, right? Yes. Like, it is it is on. As Clearly the best yeah. guy out there. Yeah, Clearly. absolutely. And and we're going to talk to Danny Stevenson also here on the Lee at Reraceables. But, um, Weed, yeah, this is like... Just, I mean, there's, you know, a hundred stories about, you know, Rick Johnson and, and, and Jeremy McGrath. There's a hundred stories about Damon Bradshaw. And a lot of them come back to this race. Like Damon says, this race is one of the ones, there's certain keystones in a rider's career. This is one of the ones where people are like, oh, dude, Miami 89. So. Dude, and he, he was, what was yeah. sick, his style, he was, in my memory anyway, the first guy that was over the front of the bike, like hitting jumps, trying to go yeah. forward, yeah. not hitting jumps and like pulling yeah. back, you right. know? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Emig always says that he has never seen someone as he used the term as explosive on a supercross track as Bradshaw. Like he's never seen. And that even includes Stu. Like he's never seen a guy on a supercross track. Was like, Oh my God. And yeah, to think in 89 when like everyone was still, the bikes were maybe just finally getting to the point where you wouldn't like snap them. If you rode over the front like that, He's so aggressive, and my God, he's jumping things that don't work half the time and just casing the shit out of these doubles. Yeah. And does not care. The one rhythm after the one rhythm after the start, two laps in a row, he tries to double, can't make it, (laughs) and like manuals sing like just fights his way through it. Thrashes through it. Right. Just figures it out. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, also And then that tabletop in the middle where he jumped on and jumped off. Yes. 
No one else was even uh, close. No one even like realized that was a jump you could do. Rarick, was that uh was that five seconds a lap quicker? Oh yeah, yeah. At least. <laughs> what, what do you think that was? Yeah, Ty Davis had almost a full rhythm lane on him, and then Bradshaw yeah, just, not yeah. only catches him but passes him the next corner yeah. just from doing an on off. <laughs> like, and he, he, to be fair, that on off was massive. You didn't though. need any a dart fish. Yeah, no, 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 no. dart fish needed. No <laughs> naked eye, yeah. naked hey, eye. I mean, I think that's faster. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and when people hear this. They're going to think I'm saying on off like we see today, just yeah, like a step no, on step up. Yeah, no, it was no. like 50 foot on <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, with yeah. a knuckle with ruts in the face and 40 foot off. Yeah, yeah. It was massive. Right. And then turn right. And then, yeah, it, far, uh, far right coming in and far right coming out. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're going about 100 yards further, yeah. but it's still five seconds yes. quicker, right? Yeah, definitely. Dart, dartfish was not needed. No, uh, just no. Hey, like J-Bone says, jump the jumps. Yeah, yeah. Hey, just jump the jumps, man. You'll win. Yeah, that's what Damon was doing. This is uh, this is Larry Myers and Gary Bailey. Uh, doing that was a the, weird broadcast. Flex. I don't know. We each would know. Gary Weege. Bailey, pit reporter. That we was strange. Weege is our, uh, our TV analysis expert. We each, did Gary do many of these? Yeah, he actually was. Um, first, this was uh, the first year Supercross is on TV every weekend. So it was Seals, the company that did Moto World. And the only races, they would have Motor World every week, and then they'd put Unadilla on once a year. And Gary was always the pit reporter for that. So then once they got Supercross, Gary did do most of them. He was the interview guy. Um, and then, yeah, Myers doing the voiceover. I always thought Myers was awesome at this because you know he was doing it probably three months after the race. <laughs> but he does a good job of faking the excitement every weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he did, really actually. building up this thrill. Yeah, I mean, it's totally did, fake. Is this the yeah. year that the camel ate out of Gary's ear? Yes. Yeah, they'd have a camel set, believe it or not. There would be a camel in opening ceremonies. At the, an actual camel. A real camel. Would walk around on the track. <laughs> that is awesome. And, and he ate, he, Gary Bailey is a famous, he's eating Gary's ear. I don't know, man. <laughs> was Gary building Daytona yeah. this time oh, as yeah. well? Oh, he yeah. was? Yeah, yeah. Even back then? Yeah, huh? he started in like 80, 79 or 80 building it and did it up until 2004, 2003. Wow. Yeah, no, I remember yeah. Yeah, when I was a kid, he would build them. Yeah. But- in yeah. 89, he was building them already. Wow. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. no. He was doing it when Bailey, when David won. A real camel. So they transported this camel from race to race. They had like a full-on horse each, trailer each, for one camel. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> did it go? They put the finish line jump and a camel in a trailer? Like, what did they do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. so this is 89. This is RJ's one. Everything coming into this one also. Stanton is his teammate. Jeff also crashes off the finish. Uh, yeah, he came went, up he went, he two raced. feet short yes. and just, yeah, kind of a violent crash for how little mistake yeah, it was. Yeah, and I remember that moment in the stadium also, like, <laughs> laughing. We all laughed at Jeff Stanton. He took so, out the banners. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. We all laughed at that. I remember that being, like, a humorous thing, you know? And how about how hard Gary Bailey tried to uh, hype up the friendship versus rivalry yeah. before the race yeah. between those two? Yeah, but uh, we've talked to both Rick and Jeff on this show over the years and it got a little weird yeah. when Jeff started winning. Like, it, yeah, yeah, it, 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 it started out like, ha ha ha. I'm going to show you the ropes. And then it's like, Oh wait. Yeah. You know, but so you got to factor in RJ's injuries too, though. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, I, I sure. don't think it would have happened that quick. Yeah. Oh, no, maybe no. ever. Listen, the, if the, RJ didn't get the hurt, sliding but. doors of moto is like, does bail win at all? If, yeah. if RJ gets hurt, right. Cause he was still the man. Yeah. That's he true. He was 27. I think so. Yeah. Dude, he still had two years, three years left. How much? Yeah, I think in 89, he signed a three-year extension. So he was going to be 90 and 91, probably dominating. And we're getting way off into the weeds now. But RJ even said when he came back in 89 after the wrist injury was Unadilla, and he went out of his way, he's like, Bale is here. 
I have to show this mofo what's up. And he went out of his way to roost him, ram him, hit him, because he was already planning on, like, who's coming after me next, not realizing he wasn't going to be the same anymore. Oh, so so Stan wasn't even in the picture as the next guy yet. It was Bale. I I think RJ was – you know what? I would say this. He might have had the same level of respect for how good Stanton could be, but I do think the Americans especially hated Bale and really wanted to make it as difficult on him as possible. Wow. I didn't really. I thought it would just be, you know, Stanton was next in line. I thought that's how it would go, but I guess they really, they really hated Bale. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, I think there was too much hype. There was hype there. Like people saying this guy's going to be amazing and great. Probably DeCoster pumping that up a bit. And uh, I don't think the dudes liked them. No, no. Um, let's talk. Uh, so 125s, Bradshaw crashes three times and wins. Our guy Denny leading a little bit. Chris Coleman in the mix. <laughs> Ty Davis, who would go on to win the 90 title. That's right. Uh, on yep. the West, Ty Davis on a Suzuki here. Uh, and then, um, yeah, Bradshaw obviously wins. Um, and uh, Can we also talk about how slow – Steve, you have one of these YZ125s-ish. I mean, it's yeah, not Bradshaw I, race bike. I have a 90, yeah. Yeah, yeah Kiefer smoking you on that thing. I don't think he, so. Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. But anyways, it's dog slow. <laughs> Racing against yeah. the Hondas so, is – got And we're going to talk to Danny about that too because – it's so bad. And I have an 89 Honda. So I have the... Maybe I had it mixed up. I thought Kiefer's riding a Honda. A no, Yamaha. he's riding a Yamaha. Okay. He's riding the Yamaha. Okay. But like... And we, we've mentioned this so many times. All these dudes were at such a disadvantage to the Hondas. It's just... It's next level, you know? And Bradshaw... Yeah, we were just yeah. dumb kids back then. And we just wanted to believe it was like rider against rider. But then you look back and you're like, oh, wait. Honda won like every title for 12 years like anybody else... They were on a worse bike. Like, yeah, dude, I think it's some crazy deal. Isn't Jeff Ward like the only non-super uh, on the Supergirls champ in like a 15-year period? Or yeah, something, something like that. Like yeah, that. From, from 80, from 83 to 82, 82, 82. to McGrath 96 to Emic. <laughs> Ward's to the Emic. only non-Honda yeah. to Emic. Right. Wow. <laughs> right. That's insanity. Yeah, that is crazy to think about. Think how you know what those bikes are. You know yep. what's crazy what you just said about? The the one twenty five especially being so much better. So in this race, Kudrowski's in this race. Yeah, and Bradshaw passes Kudrowski multiple times. Yeah, like he's yeah, not yeah, even yeah. a factor. Right, right. But then outdoors, Kudrowski wins that title. Yeah, Bradshaw narrowly lost it. Right. Yeah, it Bradshaw should have won it, but Sh- a lot yes. Of- but what you're saying though, outdoors horsepower is even more of a yeah, factor. Yeah, and yeah, Kudrowski somehow but wins it. I think Damon is just that good, right? Especially yes. back then. Yeah, 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 that good. I'm just saying, like outdoors, I guess horsepower would be more of yeah. a factor. Yeah, you know, so yeah. it definitely made life harder on him. Right, right. Um, yeah. Well, what I'm getting at here is just not only is Bradshaw going from last to move up, and then last again, and then probably last again, but it's in sand, and how freaking slow must his bike be? But it doesn't look slow. No, I think it's just how much corner speed he carried, honestly, because he was doing yeah. the, doing jumps no one else was doing up. and pushing through them. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was amazed by that. I always thought McGrath was the first guy to, like, I'll call it row, not yeah. scrub, like row through jumps, yeah. which he took it to a new level. But Bradshaw really was pushing through the rhythms of yeah. this race. It was, it was pretty incred- pretty impressive. It, it was. Uh, 250 class, so we get glimpses of LaRocco. This is his first ever 250 main event. Yes. Also, and- LaRocco, always remember LaRocco is consistent, never doing anything out of his comfort zone, just always there. Yeah. Dude, young LaRocco was He's spicy. a little loose in this yes, one. Yeah, he was trendy. going for it. Uh, so this is his first ever 250 main event, and he gets fourth. 
That's his first one. Yeah, first one ever. Wow. According to Cycle News. Yeah. Larry Ward hole shots. Larry is a 125 guy. But gets this. The factories back then weren't all that concerned with sending their kids to the big class on the off coast. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> That's the class they got. They need to race in. Let's get them some experience. <laughs> well, Larry know? Ward was riding with Pavoni at Lonnie's, though. So he, he, he was ready. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, but, yeah, so Larry, Larry Hull shot the main event, and LaRocco got fourth. And, yeah, it's kind of like a chicken's in this, too. Chicken who's like a, in there yeah, What happened to chicken in the main? Uh, did he, Miami, did he line up for the main? Do yeah. we know? Uh, no, I don't think we do. Um, <laughs> I don't think he does either. Also, uh, yeah, chicken, who knows? But these are the it's stars Miami, of the 125 yeah. class on the West, and they're in the East Coast 250 yeah. class. Like, just like, <laughs> hey, I'm racing. Yeah, you know what I mean? True. So it's a different yep. time. Uh, different yep. time from, from, from way back then. And also, um, uh, yeah, I want to talk to Tishner. I want to talk to Tishner with Danny a little bit uh, on it. But, um, yeah, so uh, we'll get to Tishner a little bit. Stanton uh, rides pretty well, uh, comes from the back. But RJ is like ninth in the first lap. Yeah, he's buried. He's buried. Yep. And dude, just slowly but surely. Yeah. Again, clearly yeah. class of the just, field. Just yeah, he's just and working through these dudes. Style. Right. Yeah. Very very good. Uh, Tishner leads seven laps, and in cycling news, it said he had food poisoning that morning, and he was up all night in the bathroom. He says throwing up, like. Good to know again in 89, you know, we had sicknesses that affected riders. I, I don't know. Tishner's <laughs> from, you know, Florida and all, everything else, but he was, he was sick according to Cycle News. So that, that sucked for, for Ronnie. He ate shit. He was doing the triple. Yeah, he was. He was airing that triple out. Yep. Which passed, I, passed Larry there. Passed Larry First there. Yep. Passed Larry there. Yeah. So uh, that was, a, that's pretty good, pretty good 250 race also on, on this one, on this night. Uh, thank you to the folks at Scott Goggles, of course. Uh, Scott, the only goggle made in the USA. Jason Anderson, Pro Circuit, running Scott Goggles. Uh, yeah, please check out Scott Goggles for all the information on that. Decal works as well. Pulp MX24 is the code to save with Decal Works. And uh, decalmx.com is the website. They'll design your custom graphics. Red Bull KTM uh, uses them. Husqvarna Off-Road as well. Decal MX. Please check those guys out. Use the code PulpMX24 to save. Great company, great guys, and uh, yeah, they do really good work over there at, uh, at Decal Works. As Weege knows, except Weege can't apply them correctly, but <laughs> before Weege applies yeah. them, the Decal yeah. Works look really good? Yeah, they look good in the in the box they ship them in, yes. Okay, all right, and then you put them on, and then it all goes to shit, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, I need to get a two-stroke, just to have a flatter side panel. It would uh, help. Uh, all right, Weege, anything else on 250 class before we call Denny? Like, any thoughts, initial thoughts on this thing? Uh, the one other thing you mentioned that Titchener is doing the triple. All it is is a regular Supercross triple. But even the 250 guys, even RJ, is yeah. not doing. Well, you say regular, the but triple. you say regular, but I don't think uh, all the tracks were exactly to scale or to spec back then. Well, so <laughs> that tripper, true. that triple to me definitely <laughs> looks more like a double and then a extra long gap and then a single. Uh, he just made a triple out of it. <laughs> oh, so you don't think it's the? I, I just thought it's so sandy and terrible they can't do it but you no, think it's just it, it, not even I, supposed to be a triple no i'm joking it was supposed to be a triple but it's just funny because yeah. the dirt and how the track developed made it harder than it should have been but even if it was a completely hard pack track dude that triple was massive huge yeah very very yeah. big i mean just to yeah. double it no problem but yep. there is there was no sizing it up you know you yeah. just you just have to hit it yep no absolutely all right should we get debo on the line yeah let's go for it all right, on the line to uh, talk to us a little bit about this race. The man who was uh, he was in this race, Kawasaki Team Green star at this time. He led briefly, 1990, 125 East champion, Denny Stevenson. What's up, Debo? How are you? I'm good, good. This is awesome. I'm doing well, and uh, 
it's an old race from a long time ago, and I actually just kind of got a chance to watch it again, and it's it's as classic as it's ever been. Lots of crashing, crazy track. So, um, yeah, we, David on a 125, yeah, nuts. We have questions about the sand, and it wasn't sand. It sort of held up, Denny. It sort of didn't. It was sandy, but then, like, the jumps didn't – the jumps were still peaky. I don't know. It's it's a white sand. You know, if you've ever been to Miami beaches or, you know, anywhere with a white beach, it's, it's a different type of sand than you would see in, at, uh, you know, maybe the beach in California or, or Mexico or something. And it, you could almost pick it up and pack it like a snowball and throw it. <laughs> and the jumps just collapsed. They call it big trenches. The, the, the corners, which is weird because they're really hard packed and didn't get really rutted. The jumps got rutted, but not the corners. So it was a very funky, different type of thing that I don't think anyone's seen except maybe Tishner because he was hauling ass in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Denny, good race for you, right? Like opener of the East coast um, for this class. And uh, like I said, you led briefly, you got fourth, um, a good, a good start to the series for you. I mean, this was your kind of your first year, your first real year. Yeah. I mean, I raced in 88, but I think it was, you know, the East coast in 88 was only like five rounds or something. And I'd gotten a third at the at the last round. Um, Jones and DeHooper battling for the title in '88. So I came in this one, and I'd raced Anaheim. My um, really my first to get to ever really, and I got a ninth. And then I rode went to Seattle and got like a twelfth or something. And so I, I had a chance to warm up on two fifties, which you know kids don't guys aren't really doing today. And I think Damon had actually jumped in and raced the Anaheim. Uh, the round one and got a third. So you just you kind of nine, see with the you got ninth at A one in '89. I did, yeah. That Dude. was the one where Bale crashed. Remember, he jumps yeah. off the side. And, yeah, yeah. Um, the, so that was really my second 250 main event. I raced to 250 uh, with the 125 class at English, or not English Town, but uh, Meadowlands in the last round in 88, the last East round. And I actually rode both classes. I think I rode every lap of every race except the 125 last chance qualifier. I made the 250 main and the 250 last chance qualifier. I actually podiumed the 125 class. Walked off the podium, hand my one, uh, well, I handed my bike to somebody, did the podium, walked down to the Chuty and did the main event in the Chuty class. So um, that was a long. Oh my God. Day. Yeah, that was. Yeah. So you, I, you and Barry Karsten did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. When someone said that, that I, and I was like, I think I was one of the first to do it. I think Noel Thompson had actually done it before I had. Uh-huh. Um, so that was so when people were complaining about the Chuty guys having it right almost back to back from the. LCQ to the main right now. I, I kind of laugh and say, well, they'll be all right. Uh, so, Denny, uh, Seth has some Chris Coleman questions. Yeah. So, I, uh, I'm i originally from upstate New York. And anyone who has – obviously, there's not many guys to come from my area. So, anyone who's ever done anything, I'm well aware of. Uh, usually know them personally. If not, I have a buddy that's buddies with them or, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, Chris Coleman – Chris Coleman, my whole life, I he's almost like a myth to me because I've heard uh, a couple of my dad's buddies actually, you know, used to tell me Chris Coleman stories. Oh, this Chris Coleman guy was really good. Um, but I never, he wasn't one to keep racing after his pro career. So as a kid, I never saw him at local races like Kurt McMillan and Carlo Cohen. All those guys were still racing when I was a kid, you know? So I never, yep. never saw Chris Coleman at a race, had always just heard stories about him. But always kind of brush it off. Like, obviously, he couldn't have been that good. I've never really heard much about him. Never heard anyone outside of New York talk about him. Um, so I never really put much merit into it. And then when I, was, when I watched this race and then looked at the results in this race, I'm like, 
dude, holy shit, Chris Coleman podiumed. Then I went on his vault. Dude, he podiumed a bunch of supercrosses. And I, I, yeah. I, am, I had no clue he was that good. And I feel like a lot of people, even people from New York, do not know he was that good. So did you know him or know much about him? Because he just, he kind of vanished, really. Yeah, you know, I don't really remember Chris that well from like amateur racing or stuff like that. Um, I, obviously, he was really fast in 88 in Supercross. Uh, 89, he did really well. Uh, I'd raced with him up in English Town a couple times when they had the Kawasaki Race of Champions. So I knew he was fast, and he. but I really don't remember. I wasn't really t- close with him or friends with him or anything. Um, pretty quiet. And I just watched this race again, obviously, and he uh, he passed me and, and yard sailed me. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, he did. He got away from you, yeah. yeah. So, so it blew me yeah, away. And I don't remember. No, go ahead. I don't remember him racing the 250 class. I don't remember, you know, after his career, after this season. So um, maybe it's something happened or something. But, you know, either way, you know, he was battling with some of the best. And uh, he's, a, he's a legit for sure. So I, I got to, before we did this, I, this uh, Steve will like this story. Uh, when I looked at his results, I was so blown away by even indoors and out. He had really good results, but his pro career was pretty short. And uh, I was really blown away by how good he actually was. I thought my dad's buddies were just, you know, drunk or something when they were talking to me when I was a kid about Chris Coleman. So I saw in the vault he's listed as from Skinny Atlas, New York, which is where Bobby Canary's from. So the only person I could think of that would know him is Bobby Kay. So the other day I texted Bobby Kay, uh, you know, do you know Chris Coleman? He said, yeah. And I told him what we're doing and why I was asking and blah, blah, blah. And he goes... Uh, yeah, from the same town as me, I think he's a roofer now. I said, do you know why his career is so short? He goes, no, uh, I could ask around. So he get, he gets back to me. One of his, <laughs> one of his buddies must've texted him, uh, like a little Chris Coleman report. He said <laughs> he had some nagging injuries. Tim Ferry jumped on top of him at a supercross. He rode my buddy's 500 at his last Unadilla National. I said, so you're saying Timmy ended his, ended his career? He said, yeah, basically. <laughs> well, you got to jump the jumps. You got to jump the jumps. Timmy was known. Timmy was known to send it. I mean, we know that. And then know. I texted. Yeah. Let me find this. Uh, let me find this text real quick. I texted Timmy about it. Oh, you did? Yes. Uh, hang on. I said, I sent him. I screenshotted what Bobby sent me. There's no chance Timmy remembers Chris Coleman or jumping on Chris Coleman. No, I sent him what Bobby <laughs> yeah. sent me, and I said, dude, you ended Chris Coleman's career. He goes, stop it. I don't remember that. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> I yeah. said, well, do you remember Chris Coleman? He said, oh, yeah, he was really good. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> that yeah, was yeah. it. That was it. <laughs> he has no um, memory ending and his that, career. And after talking with Timmy the other day on the on the show, Pulp Show, he, that's a lot from Timmy's. So that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. That's about all you're going to get. Uh, Denny, uh, obviously this race is more famous for your – instead of your fourth, it's more famous for Damon's win. Um, but we know that if we got Damon on, he would not really remember anything about it. Um, but I do want to talk about Damon. You grew up racing him a little bit. Uh, he was uh, – was he one year ahead of you or one year behind you? Uh, um, he's a like, – I, he's like a two years younger than I am. I yeah. think he just turned 50 or 51. I'm okay. 53. Yeah. And so my very, my very first year at Ponca city, you know, I was winning locally stuff and just doing the best I could. And my, my, we we're friends with another family who took his boys down to Ponca city and they're like, Hey, you should take Denny down. Denny's done really well. It's, you know, I think you guys enjoyed it. I don't know if they thought they'd just kind of get me down there to, to get my ass kicked and humbled or something. But so, you know, we did the air, the qualifiers for anime Ponca city and all that stuff. And, we had a stock 125 or stock mini YZ80 and a, a modified one. It was all kind of tuned up like the uh, 
the Yamaha specs and all that stuff. You took the airbox on, you put this green weenie uh, air, mm-hmm. air filter on and all the stuff. Anyway, so I go down and I'm actually racing a 7-Eleven novice class. You know, that's that was a class back then. And lo and behold, Damon Bradshaw is in my class. And so we both win both of our qualifiers. You know, they, back then you had so many riders, you, ran, you know, you were mm-hmm. in divisions and then you all transfer and carry your points in the main event. Well, both main events of both sock and mod, Damon and I went in with one, one points. So whoever won was going to win the overall. And my dad tells me a story. I don't remember it, but I'm on the starting line and I'm literally just shooting my pants, sweating bullets. I'm like, man, this is gnarly. This is intense. And my dad's talking to Damon and Damon's talking like, yeah, I was just riding at the Gator back with, you know, the team Yamaha, Brock Glover and those guys. And, and, uh, <laughs> and completely different demeanors between you two. And, uh, but I went on and went beat in both main events, and uh, it's something I always. Every time I see Damon, I'm like, man, you remember 1982? I kicked the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at this point, this is Damon's rookie year, like, and you had raced a little bit. He raced in '88, of course, the last few nationals, but you had already raced '87, right? You you tried national '87, and like you said, you raced '88. No, '88 was my first oh, year. Was '88 the year you didn't make Melville then? Uh, 87. No, you're right. 87. Yeah. I tried Millville. Right. You told me the story. Yeah. You, you were like, oh, I'm going to try national. Yeah. You didn't get qualified. And you were like, Oh shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but yeah. Right. Did, yeah. Did, did you know Damon? You obviously knew of him and you knew he was coming and you knew he was the next one, like getting fourth overall to first national, which is what he did was mind blowing back then. Uh, and then all the things he did in Osaka and everything else. Like, were you like, I don't want to say in awe of him because you're his rival, but were you like, Holy shit, this this dude's the next one. Oh yeah. I mean, we knew what he was capable of. I mean, it was I think it was eighty-eight. I had done the mini O's and he he went to go to Osaka. And so we're all, you know, all the families at, at the Mini Olympics, you know, Thanksgiving weekend or whatever the hell. And and it came back that he had won over there. He beat RJ, you know, and beat RJ, you know, he was he was a god to me. Yeah. And obviously many others. And so I think Damon even came back and maybe raced the last couple motocross races of that at the videos weekend um so we knew we all knew yeah, and yeah. uh yes so I, that's why even then uh, you just know that obviously his first 250 supercross was that round anaheim earlier that year and he got a third first time he ever rode a yeah. 250 supercross yes, yes. Third, you know? <laughs> right yeah. which is pretty the, amazing the legend was, had preceded him we knew we knew we were watching something special definitely okay and in this race he goes by you a couple of times probably <laughs> well, I thought he had, but watching it again, uh, I got out pretty well, and I was running second, I think, behind Ty, uh, Ty Davis for yeah. a while. Yeah, uh, Coleman was third, and Damon crashes in the first first lap, trying to kind of get through traffic because he, he was just kind of going against do shit, and everybody's zigzagging, and he goes down, and so I'm watching it, and he comes through the pack, gets and up actually to you. passing like uh, yeah. he's passing Valencore, he's passing Jeff Glass, he's passing a couple other guys, and then goes down again. And, you know, meanwhile, I'm just kind of front trying to survive. The track is so bizarre. Uh, the faces, like you said, were super rutted. Um, there were sections of the track where he was just trying shit. He was big and strong. And he was just making shit happen. There was that on-off tabletop. <laughs> we, that, we saw he, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he goes wide in the corner before, get, jumps on, jumps off. I mean, that, that was at least three seconds, if not four seconds faster. <laughs> we, we were saying that you and, didn't need dart fish to, you didn't need dart fish to see that, to see that. Line. No, he did not. <laughs> he was, he was so and I was just more just trying to survive. I was like trying to get in the podium. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was mind boggling to see how fast he just got by you and was gone. Yeah. Like you didn't even see it. Like, okay. <laughs> I, I probably didn't realize what he was doing until I watched it, you know, on TV a couple of years later. But, um, 
And the track, again, was so packed. It was slippery. The tabletop had that waterbed effect to it. You know, Stan crashed in, in this heat race. Yeah. And and we I, later, years later, I raced a sand at Albuquerque, New Mexico, Reacross. I don't know, 80, 99, 2000, it, they brought into dirt and it was pure sand. And the track broke down a lot like that, but uh, it built more sand berms. So right. I don't know, Miami is, uh, stands alone, as everybody knows, the white beach of sand. Yeah. Are we, you, we, uh, we, do you have anything for Denny? <laughs> oh, we have chimed in here. Hey, uh, what was roost like on this and uh, like tires and all that stuff? Like, did you guys have to, I don't even know, make some changes? To, like sand supercross is that unique, like you said. Uh, did you run sand tires and was the roost horrible and all that stuff? Well, watching it again, like before before we're talking now, I, I see that they did a special with Gary Bailey and, and Gary was the, on the floor announcer and he's actually had three wheels together. Uh, show an example of this of the paddle cross tires that he had back then and compared to the hard packed and had mentioned that yeah we definitely ran sand so um yeah it the start was still pretty soft and it was definitely a sand type track but the, like again the base was hard and slippery mm -hmm. uh in the main jeff stand falls down loses the rear end and buries it the front end, in the soft stuff but it was weird with that soft that hard base and then really just freaking powder on the top of it no, no laminate tear-offs back then either. So you had to stack them up. <laughs> well, I, was, I, was the, I was the king for the roll-offs. You know, I always rolled roll-offs. Steve always, you know, got me roll-offs. You know, I was there were the roll-offs in '89. Yeah, come on, Seth. No, I'm serious. Yeah. I had them in '88. Bebo had me test. Remember the light sensor ones? You touched it. Yeah. The light and that stuff. So roll-offs came. Well, I just love. They came around in 1983. Are you serious? Yes. Yes. Smith had them. Yeah. Yeah. That was before Taros? Yeah. Uh, no, I think they had Taros by 83. Roloffs? Wow. I thought Roloffs were like 93. No, no, wow. no, 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 no. Uh, Denny, were you, uh, I know a lot of top amateurs back then would do like, because you could get pro-am points or if you were full, like, were you still doing Loretta's and stuff for Team Green or was it, are you doing a full pro series indoors and out at, th at this point? In 88, I did, was still doing all the amateur stuff. And I was doing the East Coast Supercross and then selected nationals. By 89, I was doing, excuse me, all um, all the nationals, all Supercross. So I was already off the amateur. But again, like you said, you, you accumulated points. So mm -hmm. despite running Supercross nationals in 88, I didn't earn a national number in 89 because I was considered, like, if you look at the, the vault, it shows you, like, your license is like a pro-am or yeah. whatever. Um, and so at that point, every time you raced, no matter what it was, you earned points towards moving you out of the 125 class, which we never really cared about. You know, my dad's kind of was the, the theory that, you know, if there's a race, you're going to race. And I'm like, that's cool. Let's just get as much experience as possible. But um, um, and, and the goal then was, you know, wasn't to stay in the lower class. It was to get, you know, get up to 250 as quickly as possible. So, yeah. And Denny, how uh, I had an 89 KX125. It was not good. And I rode my buddy's Honda and I was like, oh. Oh, I'd made a big mistake. Uh, but how how bad was your bike, or how good was your '89 Cali 135? Oh, that's yeah, that's weird. You know, uh, my dad was really close with Dave Miller, Dave, yep. uh, DMC, and right, and he had my bikes fire breathing. I mean, I thought my bikes were fast. '88, uh, I remember I whole shot it. I think one, like every main or every moto at Ponca and stuff. I mean, the bikes ripped as far as new, and, and I hadn't ridden anybody else's bike, so you should have rode a if Honda. You, if <laughs> If the Honda was that much faster, then no wonder Larry beat me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What was the origin to Denny behind 360 as your number? Well, I was 160. My dad uh, raced some nationals with his friends back in the day, and his AMA national number was 160. And so I ran 160 from 1976 MR50 till 
82, which was my first year at Ponca, and I didn't get 160. They gave me 360. So okay, that became the number I ran until uh, until 90 when I got 27. Uh, well, you know, Denny, you did beat Mike Rodowski on this night, who went on to win the national title this season. So congrats on that. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. I was like, well, that's impressive. And and that was just just watching even the 250 class. I think uh, you know, Chicken's in there running top five. Uh, Larry Ward, uh, Larocco, I think, gets a top five. Yeah, Larocco gets guys a fourth. Are, yeah. Yeah, and these guys are all racing the 125 West Series. Yeah. And so it was just everybody just raced as much as possible. And um, it just really showed. I think I really still to this day believe the 89 kind of graduating class or 88, 89 graduating class from amateur from Loretta's is probably one of the most, probably one of the deepest it's ever came out of, uh, out of Loretta's before, because I think there's, there's probably 10 of us did one races, one, uh, a t- couple titles, went outdoors, you know, from Kudrowski to LaRocco to Damon, to, to chicken, to, uh, to Larry Ward, to, it just goes on and on and on. It's, it's crazy. Weege, did you notice, Weege, did you notice there was 21 guys in the main event? Like, and, and yeah, it was weird. Um, yeah, I saw that. I think Cycle News maybe had listed twenty, but then I looked in the vault yep. and it had twenty-one. And, and then, uh, Chicken I, got twenty-first, didn't he? Yeah, Chicken got twenty-first, and we were joking. Danny, do you does Chicken? You think Chicken remembers what happened in Miami '89? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's somebody. No, no chance. He probably doesn't even remember we were racing in '89. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> were you already tight with Chicken by this point? Yeah, I uh, my mom and dad became friends with uh, his dad and, and his and his stepmom, <clears throat> and so they had invited uh, Jim, his dad had invited us uh, us to come out and stay at the house with them when I was racing Golden State during the winter, and I'd never had met Jeff really before. You know, he's a California kid and I'm an Omaha kid and Nebraska kid, so I've never shown up the first time at their house up in La Habra Heights, this beautiful house that's on stilts with a pool and stuff, and. Um, and I got Jeff very much had like, well, who's this fucking kid in my house? Like, he wanted nothing to do with me. <laughs> yes, you know, my dad's really good friends, obviously, with the family. We're eating dinners, you know, as a family and stuff. And and he just, uh, we just got slowly. He he had to take my like his dad, like take Denny riding. You're gonna go ride. Okay, get in the truck. So I jump in with him, and obviously we became really tight and family. And what, um, was Chick, my dad? Was, my dad still, go ahead. Sorry. My dad still says this day. I've said many times that. You know, maybe maybe you should have became better friends with Kudrowski or Larocco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, were you? Did you did you stay with him when? Uh, I forget who told me this story. It might have been you, Steve, that he would catch rattlesnakes and bring them home. Like he had a rattles, like a a wild rattlesnake in the house, not like a not, not a pet. Not, like not that I know. I didn't say that, but I did. I did. I do know that he accidentally killed one of his wild cats with his garage door one time. No, is there truth he, to the uh, rattlesnake thing, Denny? A hundred percent. Yeah, we, he he got a house in Anaheim Hills, and that was the second home to me. I pretty much spent all my weekends in California, all my off weekends, I'd fly out and, and stay at the house with him. And even when I was at Suzuki, and um, yeah, he caught a rattlesnake uh, in the driveway. Dude, put it in because uh, like, he he was into he was into lizards and uh, <laughs> just all that kind of weird, freaky shit. So he had one whole room. It is in his house in Anaheim, Anaheim Hills. It's the same one in the Krusty video where he launches the street bike over the back wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ever seen that? And yes. so he had this big room of, of, that was made specifically to have lizards and all this shit. So he had this rattlesnake that he caught in the driveway, thrown in this little glass case. And I remember us trying going down. We had to go buy little mice so we get the rattlesnake could eat them. And I'm like, man, this is really fucking strange. I don't think this is a good thing, good idea. <laughs> 
but so the, but the, the snake wouldn't eat the wouldn't eat the rats or would the mice because he was you know he was wild and we caught him or something and I don't know he he was always out there I'll tell you he, yeah. he had the he had the bobcat like you said yeah him and Jerry Campbell got bobcats and even last time I stayed with him I don't know it's, it's probably been ten years now I flew out to hang out with Cody Gilmore and then that's when Cody and I came out and did that show for you at Pulp oh yeah. Um, we we just went and stayed at chickens, and he has like an I think it's called an ocelot. It's a type of cat. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah it's like it's a, a bangle. It's the size of like a Doberman or like a you know like a, yeah. a whippet or something like that. And so I remember we we're getting ready to go out, and he opens the fridge, cuts open a, a packet of raw chicken, and just throws it on the on the on his tile floor. Just like okay, we're gonna do. I gotta feed him. Like he eats raw chicken. He's like, oh yeah, he's fine. And so I remember we got back on the couch and I wake up to that fucking cat sitting on my chest. <laughs> just Dude, what the fuck? And I'm just like, someone, anyone. Yeah. So like, yeah. Chick, so Jeff, and we all know the stories and we, we love him. He's such a character. He was still a character in 89. Like he was that guy still in 89. Oh yeah. He's been that way since I've ever known him. Right, so he, like, he was probably at so like peak he, in '89. So he's a two-time 125 Supercross champion, like <laughs> awesome, leading the points in 250 Supercross in '90 for most of the season, and he was still a bit of a. I don't want to say out there. No, you're out. if you picking up rattlesnakes and bringing them in your house, you are out there. <laughs> so, just like, a, just a character, man. Yeah, yeah. We, we go, you know, on long weekends in '90, you know, or whatever. I, if I was hurt or something, or we we take his course to go to the car wash and pick up strippers and bring them back to the house. And, and, uh, it was just wide open mentality. And, uh, and it was, I've always told this story too. Like one of the first times I went to the Cowie track to practice with the Cowie team with Wardy and chicken and dogger. And that's when doggers, you know, shows up late, uh, doesn't have his boots or something. They go to try and find the boots. He comes back. They tell dogger, you know, well, we're, well, we're get, uh, we need a, we need you to piss in the cup. If you're leaving and doggers like, fuck you, Turner, I ain't pissing the cup. And I'm like, and you're from oh, Omaha. This is, this is, this, yeah. this is nuts. You're you're from Omaha. Going, what is going on? <laughs> what is going on? I have all these guys on my walls. They're crazier. I thought, and then Wardy's just like shaking his head at everybody. We we, we talked with him recently. And yeah, yeah. He's just so oh. that was just the kind of California characters that were were racing the series back then and, and doing very very well. Obviously, yeah. We did one of these earlier in the year. We were talking Tampa '88. And uh, Chicken did race 250 class, and Dogger was still there. And we were just, we're like, poor Wardy had to go to Tampa and try to keep Dogger <laughs> and Chicken under control. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the great thing even about Wardy, Wardy could get let, could let loose. You know, in 90, when I won my first race at Atlanta, and, and he'd won that night in one of the best main events ever, he's the one to come over and grab me and goes, we're celebrating our wins tonight. You're coming with the Cowie guys and it's two guys. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're not going to take you. We're not taking it out, but the Cowie guys would. And then, you know, Wardy keeps let loose. Um, so it was just, you know, yeah. that year, 88, 89, I'm racing with and, and watching and seeing all the guys that I've had on my walls growing up. It was just, a, a, just an well, incredible time to the, be 18, 19 year old kid. Yeah. The story is that Dogger purposely forgot his boots because his boat was ready for pickup and he wanted to go on, on the boat. He had to go up that way to pick up his boat. And he purposely forgot his boots, and then they tried to buy him boots, but they wasn't in his size. And then he wouldn't piss in the cup. Picked up his boat, honked his horn, and waved as he drove with his boat by the Cowie track. <laughs> so that's the story. It's, it, it's, it's, 
I was there. I seen it all. These are facts. Yes, yes. yes. And, and Dogger was, yeah. yeah, it was just phenomenal. Um, Danny, I want to mm-hmm. also touch on Ronnie Tishner, who's another guy you know well. And he leads seven laps of this thing. He's fresh out of the 125 class. I know Ronnie from through Red Dog, of course. They were buddies back in the day. And Ronnie Tishner, if he had gotten away from Suzuki, if he'd ever gotten on Cowie or maybe Honda, his career could have been different. He was, I, I think he was so talented. I mean, he came back from Japan and was running top five on a privateer bike outdoors. He has a, he's got a great style. Uh, he was always like top five guy on a piece of crap Suzuki. Ronnie Tishner appreciation moment here, Denny Stevenson. Yeah, I love Ronnie. You know, two one four on a, when he was amateur days on Team Green. You know, I met him and his family obviously back then as well. And uh, yeah, I've stayed with Ronnie multiple times, and he was gone in that race. So I like again watched it again. He's the only one doing the triple. Yeah, yeah. And he's probably have to have, he has probably a ten second lead. They're not even showing the camera on him, and all of a sudden Larry Myers yells out that he's down, and he ends up. I still think I think he ends up sixth or something. But Ronnie is uh, Ronnie's awesome. Great person, great human, and yeah. like like you were saying, I, I think Suzuki in those days, you know, they obviously had Kehoe, they had Holland, and when they would even when I jumped on a TV, they were just so different. They were not really, yeah, they were just different bikes, and I, I don't think that they ever quite put the same amount of attention into them mm-hmm. um, as, they did, as they did the one twenty five class. Yeah, it was you know he never he never won a big bike national or. Supercross led a bunch podiums, you know, just never got it done. And you wonder if he had been one of those guys to get the call, uh, to ride a, a Honda, uh, if, if everything's could have been different and Denny, I mean, you got a Honda deal and it fell apart on you also. Right. So, um, one of those, deals. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just, it's just a sport and what it is, you know, and the different teams were, you know, that we didn't have a lot of rides back then. Obviously I think, uh, there was four, basically four manufacturers and each team had five, six guys on it and that was it. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of went where you went. And, you know, I had that Honda contract and Suzuki offer at the end of 89 and went to dinner. My dad and I at Millville with, with Roger DeCoster. And I, I grew up as a Honda kid, you know, you had all the, you know, the uh, Johnny O and RJ and Bailey, you know, those are the guys I, I admired the most. And, and so that's what I wanted to go was the Honda and, and the last minute that they ended up canceling the 125 team, even though we had signed contracts because Bale was coming over. And honestly, that obviously worked out pretty well for, for the Honda team and, and John Michelle. And it worked out for me too. You know, I, we called Pat Alexander back at the last second after that 89 season and, and said, Hey man, things kind of fell through. Can you, can we still, is there anything still available? And he's like, well, let me call you back. And about an hour later, we, we had a, a contract uh, faxed yeah. over and we uh, rest is history. Um, awesome. Miami 89, Lee at re-raceables, Denny Stevenson. Anything else for Denny Weech? Yeah. Uh, I didn't know this until more recently. I didn't know you were, or you were, you were an RJ guy. Uh, I just thought of him as being older. I didn't know that you guys were tight, but I know you are now. And then oddly this race is his last supercross win. He's the winningest rider ever at this time when he wins this race. Um, so that, I don't know if no one knew at that time. And I don't know if you're close to the men, but it's a pretty significant race for Rick Johnson too. Danny. No, it truly is. And uh, you know, I, I do know Ricky now, and I'm, I'm proud to call him a friend and fortunate for that. And, you know, I, I think it definitely rubs him the wrong way, the way that his season, his career ended. You know, he had won five in a row coming going into Gainesville. He had that mishap in practice with Danny Storbeck. And and then he goes back, fast forward to 90. You know, my dad, I was winning a lot of races, and he, he, he noticed one time that my dad and I didn't really celebrate like we did the first one. And he had seen my dad out later that night or something, and he, he had a little talk with him. He said, basically – you celebrate every win like it's your last because it quite possibly could be. And, um, and Ricky, you know, 
could not have said it any better considering the way his career had gone from the very top of the echelon, the world's best ever, on the way to breaking records. And then uh, that freak accident, everything is his career path changed quickly. Hey, and also the wrist uh, did you in um, in 90 also, didn't it? Yeah, it, it, uh, it was a little different. You know, Ricky, I'm not sure if, what he, if he broke his, I think he broke his radius kind of through the joint. And he ended up having to get his fuse. But, yeah, ironically, I break my wrist in 90 at Oklahoma City. I have a broken navicular. And probably the only thing that Bob had ever said to me was worth a shit was he, he told me, go get that thing healed. Go get it, go get surgery. Get that thing done. And so we had gone to the doctor, and it, it had cracked halfway through at the time. And the doctor's like, well, we can uh, do surgery, and you'll be in a cast for six months. And then Suzuki was like, kind of pushing me to, like, we're going to debut the those wild uh, 91 colors on the bike for, for the LA Coliseum. We, we really want you to be there, our, our champion, all that stuff. So we ended up going the other way and we ended up racing. And then it just, yeah, the wrist never really healed very well. I kept pushing it, kept pushing it. And I know I, I wish I would have, for one time, if I was to listen to Bob, and and but I had a contract factory ride with on the 91. And I just didn't really feel like I'd taken six months off, would have been beneficial at the time. And, in hindsight, it probably would have been the better things for sure. Did uh, did you already have the title when you did your wrists in Oklahoma City? You already have the title wrapped up, or did you still have to race to win it? Uh, no, I already had it locked up going into Oklahoma City. <clears throat> and some people had even asked if I was going to ride the GD class and stuff. I'm like, no, man, I want to ride the West. I want to kick the shit out of the West like I did at Dallas. You know, beat Jeremy, beat Fro, beat Bud, beat all those guys, and then prove that I've just, despite maybe I didn't have the deepest in the, on the East, I was still the best rider on the field on the on the track and. And man, yeah, that's one thing. I, I think my heat race was nine seconds faster than, than the other one and that Fro had won. And I just kind of rushed in that jump and he kind of came over a little bit of the air and I, I just came up a little short and bike just went bog. There didn't bog, it just I hit neutral and it just went man. And you know, talking about different tracks from the sand in Miami, man, the Oklahoma City track, um, you know, talk about uh, Fork and Atlanta concrete, that whole track was concrete. Let's be honest. It was it was blue groove, it was gnarly, the jumps were really peaked. It's, uh, it was a hundred degrees out. Yeah. So yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, I had the title. So yeah, we, uh, we need to do another episode on, on Oklahoma 90. Cause I've watched that race several times and that track looked brutal. There's actually, a, I have a classic commentary on YouTube with Denny. Oh, do you? While we were watching the race. It's pretty, yeah. Pretty, that track pretty was, yeah. that track was insane. That was more like a video game track. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all it right. Was. I mean, I was, if there ever was a Guy Cooper track, it would have been Oklahoma City, obviously hometown. And yeah. I was standing in the infield because I hadn't gone back to the truck or anything after after kind of doing my energy or getting my plate on the podium and stuff. And so I was walking around the infield and right was standing literally five feet from when Guy goes to that those whoop section, endos, crashes, breaks off almost a silencer. Sound just sticking straight up in the air, and Guy's back just hauling ass around the track, sound like a uh, like a damn a Fast and Furious car or something. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, awesome. Um, thanks for jumping on Denny. Uh, and, uh, always good to talk to you, Lee at Reraceables 1989, Miami. Like we said off the top, RJ's last win, Damon's first win, your fourth on one of a weirdo, most weirdo tracks ever, man. Um, but yeah, thanks for the time, buddy. Absolutely. Love having it. And I always enjoy talking to you guys. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See, see you, Denny. See ya. You guys yep. late. Thanks to Debo for jumping on Denny Stevenson. Great guy. And, uh, yeah, super fun to have them on. We're going to do the arena cross this Friday night, uh, call the action. So thanks to the folks at Maxxis Tires, by the way. MXSTs are out now. Soft, intermediate, intermediate to hard terrain tires. Mountain bike tires as well from the folks at Maxxis. A gift from the Moto Science Nerds to you people. Maxxis.com for more information. Guts Racing as well. Seats 
Seat foams, seat covers, complete seats, uh, vintage stuff. Suron seats also. Guts Racing, Pulpamex 2024 is the code to say with Guts Racing. And uh, please spruce up your seat and uh, dial in your foam. They can do it with you, Scott, and Decal Works as well. And, of course, Liat.com. Uh, email us using the co- uh, using the contact form of Pulpamex. We'll send you a code to save at Liat.com. Uh, Liat Re-Raceables, 89 Miami. Uh, anything else, boys, before we get into categories? Anything else to talk about with this one? I just want to ask you about the fact that you're there, by the way, at this race is crazy. Yeah. Um, it's weird. On TV, it sounds like the crowd is cheering uh, for Bradshaw, but there is no crowd. Yeah, it so, was. <laughs> do you remember if you heard cheers? Uh, I don't remember that part. Uh, we laughed at Stanton crashing. We had the guy talking about bringing the smoke in in front of us. Uh, okay. RJ signing cigarette packages. Um, and then nobody there. And then, so then the next week we went to Atlanta and it was packed, right? Atlanta was more of a, you know, like a huge crowd. And yeah, it was quite a difference. So I remember too, like, Obviously, growing up in Canada, we have football stadiums, but they're, you know, they're, they're CFL stadiums. They're 30,000 people. I remember the size of Joe Robbie, like walking up to the tunnel and, and just being like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, you know, this is what the hell, oh, wow. you know, it was so massive to a kid from Canada. So, yeah, you know, what was funny, too, is the the, the infield back then, a lot of stadiums would have they'd leave the infield like turf yeah they wouldn't mess with like the football field or whatever played there yeah and that's how this one was and normally those tracks were like obviously super short and really pretty lame yeah but this track still seemed really long like the floor space must have been incredible because the the turf was still there you could see it on tv but the track was still long yeah i don't remember yeah i don't remember being which way it was or whatever but yeah definitely yeah it's crazy to to be there in the stands as a kid and just be like, wow, American Supercross. Like, I'd gone to some janky Canadian ones. I saw yeah. Bob Hanna in 84 <laughs> in Calgary, you know, and all that. He but went to Calgary? He went to Calgary. Bob wow. Hanna on his factory bike. How much money wow. did he pay him? I don't know, man. He, he had work factory Honda? Hawks, factory Honda there. The, there's no way that was a series, oh, right? That no, was a one-off? No, there was a little Canadian series that would go Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto, Montreal. Like four races. And Bob Hanna went there. He just did Calgary. But wow. Yeah. Yeah, this was the World Supercross Who series. That money <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, Jimmy Holly was there, guys. I don't know if you. If you, it, <laughs> you think he remembers? <laughs> Holly would remember. <laughs> Hannah worked everybody that night. Oh. I remember being like, like go rollerball, and it's like, oh. Could Holly have kids in Canada? Oh, hundred <laughs> percent chance. Um, oh, great, great yeah. chance. Um, um, how far is the drive, by the way, from where you? Thirty. Listened, I, I knew you stopped lost. Yeah, 30, 30 something hours, yeah. thirty five hours, I think, and we did it mostly straight. Oh yeah, God. we did it mostly straight. Do you still talk to your buddy Kyle? Yes, I still see Kyle. He okay, is so he's uh, still around. Yeah, he's up in Alberta. Uh, he's a on an oil rig. No, but he's a, <laughs> he does work for an oil and gas company. Really smart yeah, guy. Imagine that. His brother Dave, who I used to race against, is now an RCMP officer in the Vancouver. <clears> so, <throat> still see those guys all the time, or hear hear them. See him at Washougal. See him in Seattle. So you were at Kroom so. prepping to beat Blair Morgan. Yes, Kroom. We went to Kroom. Uh, somebody told us about it. They said we got to go there. And the first time we went there, the first day I was there on my 80, uh, Mark Barnett was there practicing for his comeback for Tough Racing. And I was in awe because I loved Barnett when I was <laughs> younger. And he'd come back and his, he bent some bars and I took him out of the trash, some aluminites, answer aluminites, and I had him forever. Barnett bent bars out of the trash at Kroom. That is epic. Yeah. We're not far from Kroom. You can go there tomorrow. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mountain biked there last time I was here. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, 
Um, yeah, so Miami '89. It was it was cool to be there. Uh, and then I'll tell you the story about. Uh, did you know of Bradshaw? Did you know of like? Did, yes. Yep. Did you know what was going on in this race? Yes. Did you know who Bradshaw yep. was? Yeah, we knew who Bradshaw was. He was the next guy, right? Uh, all of that. I like I said to Denny, it doesn't ha- back then getting fourth at your first national. I mean, we we were fortunate to go to Millville to watch uh, nationals for years as kids. And the top amateurs would always debut at Millville because it was after Loretta's. So, yeah. like, we saw Jimmy Button yeah. in 88. 87? When did Jimmy turn pro? 88, maybe? 89? Maybe it was 89. 89, It was I after think. Bradshaw. Yeah. He got worked. Do you know what I mean? Like, 14th, yeah. 15th, right? Like, these amateurs were nowhere. Yeah, they weren't coming out ready. Tim, Timmy said it took him. No. It took him, uh, I don't know, eight races to score points. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. You, like these guys were not, you know, Tomac <clears throat> wins his first national. That didn't happen. Yeah. So that I was happening. Right. So Bradshaw getting fourth in Millville at 88 was like, holy shit. Yeah, you know he, what I he's mean? He's arrived. He's here. Yeah. Because these dudes didn't do that. They yeah. were, they got For whatever the, reason. I was yeah. talking to button about that lately, even himself. And he said that it, it's kind of like what Denny said, where it was like, at one point they were like racing him. And then that, just like him going to Osaka, and then he's like, "Wait, what? I'm racing Pocket City, and he's racing racing Osaka and beating RJ." Yeah, and yeah, Button said the same thing. He's like, him getting fourth was like, that's not even possible. That's like in the stratosphere. Like, there's yeah. no possible chance. No, nope. even the top ten is not even within my possibility range of my right. best day. And, and he got fourth. And Button won, Button won eight titles at Loretta's. Like he was great. Like he, Button, oh yeah, yeah, he bad was, dude, right. bad dude. And, yes. and so these dudes, uh, and, and remember, then Fro- got third the week before in the 250 class the week before in San Diego. Yeah. Third at 16 yeah. years old. Right. Only got beat by RJ and Stanton. Like, yeah. it's unreal. Fro got worked. I remember watching Fro, like, way in the back, you know, just 747 on a Cowie, just, yeah, getting handed his lunch to him, you know? So that's what these dudes had to had to deal with back then. And now we got Tomac showing up. Bogle let Bogle let a moto. Yeah. Zach Bell finally got a start one time. So <laughs> But he got a start every time. It was a finish. That was right, the problem. Right, right, right. Um but yeah, it didn't happen back then. Uh okay. Uh should we do the categories? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Thank yep. you to Liet and Maxis Scott Guts Racing. Decal works as well. Seth Rarick here in the uh, spacious Hilton Garden Inn. Uh, all right. Who really? Oh, wait, one w- other ride I got to mention here. One uh, other ride I got to mention. Oh. I forgot about this. Yeah. JMB. Yeah. Third. JMB was hauling ass. He was. And this was his first good Supercross, I think. Yep. And yep. he did the whole series this year? No, he left and raced 250 GPs. Okay. So just the first six or whatever. Yeah, whatever five, it was. Six, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. A little bit like Prado. But dude, he was killing it. That's what, like, uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. I guess just because I'm old, but like when we talked about Prado coming here, like I wasn't that impressed. He was okay. Like he was okay. And like I just was thinking about Everett's came over in '92, Bale this '89. We've seen these dudes come over and run better than Everett didn't do Supercross you know? though, did he? He did. Everett did a few Supercrosses. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, '92. I only remember Dylan '97 just because I was there. Oh yeah, he did. He did a bunch in '92. 125. No, 250s. Really? He was a top 10 guy. Dude, I've gone my whole life without knowing this fact. Wow. He was good. I only remember Dylan 97, UFO um, gear number 215. Yeah. Weege? Dude, go watch Houston 92. And like Everest is just running third for like the first half. And he gets like seventh or something. But for a while, he just podium. And you're just like. He never wanted to make the move to America. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Yeah. All right, um, Leah racing re-raceable yeah. categories. Yeah, good job on bail. Good point on that third place. And Larry Ward, hole shotting also. Uh, <laughs> uh, who really won the race? I'm going with Tishner. I'm going with Tishner. That's actually a good one. 
Yeah. He was good, dude. He should have won. He had food poisoning, according to I was going to go with the obvious with Damon, but. Okay. Weege? Yeah, I'm going. I'm going Damon. My God. Yeah, I mean, he really dominated. Tishner is good, though, because like Denny said, he was gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who's that guy award? I mean, there's only one. <sighs> there's only one? First of all, Second Lose says that John Dowd, D-A-W-D. Uh, private, yeah. Privateer <laughs> John, John Dowd. Yeah, on the vault, they have it correct. Yeah, the Dad. vault's fine, but in Second yeah. News wrote it how he pronounced it. <laughs> yeah, how they pronounce yeah. it. John Dowd. <laughs> um, so Dowdy in 89. I The first I remember Dowdy. 87. Southwick, yeah. Yep. 87, 87 Southwick. Southwick. And then I don't remember Dowd being on a Suzuki in 89 at all. I, didn't, I don't 90, really remember him doing Supercross till 90. 90 was on a Cowie. Yeah. 49. Yeah, I know I he did. Yep. Right. Uh, who's that guy to me? I mean, Mike Morris from Kentucky. He's 20th in the 250 main event. And I'm like, who the hell is Mike Morris? You click on his vault. The dude was legit. Yeah. See, I didn't, I wasn't going to go Mike Morris because I feel I may be wrong, but I feel like I've heard of that name. I've never heard that name in my life. He has four top tens in 125 class. Yeah. When I locked, when I, I, I actually recognized the name when oh. I clicked on the vault. Okay. I, it's obviously he was legit. I, f- I could be wrong, but I feel like I know that name just because I spent a lot of time in North Carolina, okay. that whole region. I know a lot of people okay. from that area, Tennessee, Kentucky. All right. So I feel like I know that name. Weege, Mike Morris? No, I don't. I don't know it. Um, but I have some information on John Dowd, mm. however you want to pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, I hit up John Dowd. And I said, what do you remember of this race? And he says, unfortunately, I think I was in the stands. I'm pretty sure I didn't qualify. Or did I? Maybe I'll ask Treadwell. He knows that. <laughs> yeah. Dowdy, Dowdy's a lot like Timmy with that. Oh, Dowdy. I, I, yeah. don't, uh, he's, I love Dowdy, but no, yeah, he's the man. He's, he don't. No, he, his memory's not there. He always, he always tells me, ask Treadwell what I did. Yeah, Tread knows everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've been traced for hours with Tread before. Right, right. Yeah, Tread's yeah. awesome. Yeah. We should get Treadwell to talk about Dowd on the re-raceables? Yes. Okay. Tread, anybody. You can even yeah, talk about anybody. It. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's great. My Dowd who's, did make it, but Dowd doesn't know that he made it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> my who's that guy? Surprisingly, I thought I wouldn't know a lot of people from 89. Yeah. This was before I was born. Uh-huh. I knew damn near every name in both classes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Curtis Barron. Curtis Barron from Maryland. Uh, he only has two entries. Okay. Miami and I think another race from this year. Um, Curtis Barron from Maryland. I've never heard of him. And clearly yeah. he didn't race pro that much. So I right. have no clue who that is. Uh, now, Brian Carroll. Is, that's his I know kid. Brian Carroll. That's his kid racing though? Yes. Yeah. Right. I, I know I, Brian Carroll. I know Brian Carroll. Uh, Weeds knows Brian Carroll too. Jersey. Jersey legend. Oh, Jersey with the with the uh, American flag. Yeah. Jersey. Yep. 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 Um, Weege, you got it. Who's that guy? Uh, the Morris one. Same thing. I not not heard of him. Um, and honestly, this is probably gonna kill you because you probably know him well, Rarick. But who is Robert McCullough? Okay. So oh, here I, we go. No. 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 I don't. I had him as a secondary because I clicked on his vault and he oh. did He did a bunch of races, but Kingston, New York, that's right by me where I grew up. I've never heard of Robert McCullough. Don't know. I mean, Chris Coleman at least is like a myth for me. Like there was yeah. Chris Coleman stories, stories floating around. Yeah. Uh, Robert McCullough. There is nobody from New York that has ever mentioned Robert huh. McCullough. I was getting ready wow. to fight one of you two. If you said Bill Wallen, 
Who got no, eight? he's Canadian. I know. Yeah, no, yeah. no. Okay. I know who Bill Wallen is. Okay. I wasn't going to do that to you. Wild Bill. We, to you. His nickname was Wild Bill. This Imagine is two that. weeks in a row now. You oh, okay. you thought I didn't know, uh, who was it, Frenette? Yeah, you didn't, Frenette. And yeah. Bill Wallen. No, I yeah, know okay. my Canadian right. guys. Okay, good enough. And shout out to Carl Valancourt. Well, actually, hang on. No, we'll get no, there. We'll get, we'll get there. there. We'll, we'll get there. Let's do it right now. Lit Kid Award. Okay. He's actually not my pick for Lit Kid, but shout out for the Texaco kid. Yeah. Yeah, Dude, the, the all black with the Texaco on the sleeves yep. would be fire today. Oh, yeah. And how he pulled off yeah. the Texaco and it, sponsorship. His bike looked good. Oh, he looked, he looked unreal. Sir Wall raced up in Canada with Labatt's and then Esso. And then Labatt's Doug, is a pretty dope sponsor. Doug Hoover at Esso. Valancourt at, at Texaco. Esso is what, gas station? Yeah. Okay. And then Texaco had, Valancourt had Texaco. But it was a weird deal. Question, dude. were Texacos in Canada? No, they were Essos in Canada. Oh, so, same kind. So, so when like, he was in okay. America, he was Texaco. When he was in Canada, he was Esso. Dude, wow. I think I, really? think I just yeah. changed my mind. I think he is my lit kid. That is, un- I'm, I'm saying it simply for the marketing yeah, scheme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's unreal. Yeah, he, it looked good. Uh, he had posters. Was he ever an agent after his raising career? Because I feel like he no, could be a good agent. No. <laughs> he, he, uh, he was a very, very fast guy who just ended it early because there was no money. Tread also has some great Valancourt oh, yeah, stories. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, Lit kid award for me. I will go. I mean, I just. I. I mean, RJ man, this is his first year in JT. Really? Yeah. Okay. He, so you are. I, JT I believe fan. he's wearing the V three thousand, which is maybe going to take some style points away. It's the one that had the short front and long back on it. Chest protector. Yeah, chest protector. No, I'm a fan of chest yeah, the, protectors. Yeah, the broad chest protector. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of chest protectors. Over the jersey chest pros, yeah, but we this need one to bring wasn't them back. The full chest pro. It, it ended around your nipples. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, okay. I'm fine with that. All right. Uh, RJ, from my, this is my Let Kid Award, Weege. Dude, yeah, this should be unanimous. I don't even know why we have to Yeah, I know where Weege is going. It's the freaking Bradshaw gear. Yeah, Bradshaw I know, but everyone... so good that they brought it back multiple times. Yeah, everyone's going to say that. My yeah, real... Yeah. You flipped my mind on the Valancourt thing. My real Lit Kit was Larry Ward. That that whole kit, bike, everything looked unreal. Okay, No. No, yes. No. Larry Ward looked badass. Um, Weed, you're right. Like, why didn't I say Bradshaw? Yeah, but everyone's gonna say that, dude. Bradshaw had the hair too. Do you notice how his hair? Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was no Bradshaw. Everything about him was clean. The yeah. gear, the style. Yeah. It's one of the most iconic gear sets, like ever. Yeah. Like, when you talk zebra stripes, everybody knows that. Yep. That uh, that gear. And I did talk to Bradshaw about the hair. He said his mom was a hairdresser, and it was full Jovi. That's what he said. Full I'm what? Like, wow. I'm Canal Cabani, Bon Jovi, and David. Oh, Bradshaw. Jovi, yeah, full Jovi. Doesn't really get much better. <laughs> full Jovi, and I'm like, oh my god, Damon Bradshaw was going for the John Bon Jovi look. It doesn't get much better no, than this. No, you're right. Uh, shit kit award, Weege. Um, it's actually tougher than I thought. I thought there'd be a lot of bad ones, but even some of the brands that weren't stylish were okay at this time. I was actually struggling. Um, to find a really bad one, I think I might just go with. Uh, did Cooper have the TX10? Stanton did. Stanton had TX10. But I thought that Stanton gear was fine. I never had a problem with it. Okay. Um, uh, what is Morocco wearing? Is he MS? No, is he High Point gear? Yeah, he he's he no, he is gear. Axo Yamaha uh, gear. The Axo. Oh, the- the oh like Yamaha accessory line yes 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 that's what he is this year Um, I don't know I really had a tough time finding anything that was really bad maybe Jeff Frizz who leads the uh, heat race he's not (laughs) able to hold off stand no he's not able to (laughs) I also I thought Jeff Frizz was on Suzuki's at this time but I didn't know where he came on a cow right yeah but he used to be Suzuki so I don't remember what happened uh at that point but yeah Frizz was wearing answer I think it was we 
Um, what's your shit kit? Are Ouija going to go with one, or are you on Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Frizz? Yeah, I'll just go. Uh, sorry, sorry, Jeff Frizz, but the Chess Pro is not working there. Uh, I'm going to back Ouija on this that I really couldn't find. I thought for sure shit kit would be pretty easy to find mm-hmm. in 89. Yeah. I thought everything looked pretty good. Right? Omera looked good. I thought everything yeah. looked, good. looked good. I'm going to have to, if I have to choose one, I'm going to go Stanton. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of, uh, what, what's the TX10? TX10. It's what? Honda answer stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with Stan, but it wasn't bad. Right. Uh, but honestly, in 89, all the gear looked pretty good. Yeah. It really did. By the way, on an aside note, Stanton was our guest last night on the Pulp Show for Triumph. He came into the, into this, you know, I did a live show from the hotel and I got into 93 with him and all the, because I watched 93 year in review. And then I got oh, into it with Jeff on the wrong. show. Got into it about what? Just like his, my thoughts on his season, what happened and all that. And it was pretty good. He was like. Yeah, we were. I was burnt out. I was totally burnt out. He said, what, "I was." Why? What? What are your thoughts? Well, I was just like, "How pissed were you at this fucking kid that kept coming in and winning?" Oh, like, you thought he'd be like still mad about yeah, it? Today. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just like, "How pissed were you in eighty in ninety three when you yeah. know you and Bradshaw and Kudowski kept saying this kid's gonna, he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna come, he's not gonna keep keep winning, and he just kept winning." Oh, and he wasn't really bothered by it. Well, no, he said at the time he was pissed, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he was but, so burnt out. Really, so it was a really good conversation. He's yeah. He said he raced fifty five times the year in 92 yeah with double headers and stuff and all that wow like in europe and everything wow he's holy yeah, shit just nuts uh okay uh lee at re-raceables where's jt well we checked in with him and he said he was probably asleep he was nine years old <laughs> but frank and cindy probably work in this race <laughs> probably there weege or what do you think yeah so G- jt's there probably right i don't know just sleeping I don't know. You think Cindy's just like, hey, there's plenty of empty seats here. Just go lay down. Yeah. I got <laughs> to finish scoring and, we'll and come find Frank you. has to run this thing. <laughs> Frank Frank was, yeah. you know, Frank yeah. was like an assistant AMA ref for a while. So. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, double AMA. Yeah. Uh, just to get JT free entries? Is that why they were doing that? Oh, probably. Um, Jacob Marsak Award. <laughs> oh, uh, easy for easy me. Easy for me, too. Yes. Uh, easy for you. Easy for me. Um, Weege, what do you got? Uh, Derek Rowe. He just passed away, by the way. What, really? Yeah, Davey wrote about it in Racerhead last week. Oh, that's the same. You're right. R.I.P. Derek Rowe. did not ring a bell. You're right. That name did not ring a bell Mm -hmm. at all when I heard that news. That is the same person. Like, okay, he's got, dude, like almost no Supercross races in his career at all. Like, like seven? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many entries he got here? I'd say a dozen total pro races. Total. Yeah, you got fifth? I think I got sixth in the sixth. Supercross. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sixth. Um, oh, Jacob Marsak Award. Yeah. From uh, Indiana. The rider who did the best without you knowing it, I will go Jason Upshaw. Ninth and 250 class. This was a good year for Jason Upshaw. He was most famous. Yeah, Texas guy. He was pretty good. Most famous for his crash coming down the peristyle. Yep. In the commercial that was always running. Yep. Uh, and then I knew he was a good privateer. But he beat Larry and Guy Cooper and Dogger. Dogger fell first lap, they say. Uh, and Dubok and everything else. Uh, Jason Upshaw, uh, ninth in the premier class. That's my Jacob Marsak He's award. had to have several top tens, though, no? Well, let me look here. Uh, I, I know I know Jason Upshaw. Uh, Upshaw. So he got a eighth in San Diego this year. And then he got some 125 top tens. But this he only got two 250 top tens. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I thought top ten would be... Good Almost career. par for the course for him. No, no, only two. But good job, Jason. Jason uh, Upshaw. Uh, for me, it's easy. 
Gotta go, Chris Coleman. No, I, I know, I know. He had. Uh, let me count here. He had one, two, three, four, five, five podiums and wow, five podiums and nine top tens in his career. Yeah. So apparently he was just a fixture up there. Yeah. But uh, I have to go with him because it validates all my dad's buddy stories. Yeah. And completely caught me off guard and blew me away. Because yeah. all I've heard is these Coleman stories, but uh, actually never validated he was a real living, breathing person until last week. <laughs> so can we get him? Can we get him <laughs> off the roof? And you know, I want to get in touch with him somehow. Yeah. Like, I just really want to know. Like, yeah. uh, did Timmy actually end his career, or <laughs> what happened? Why did he not? He just completely vanished from racing. Listen, don't worry about what Timmy did. Okay, because you know, like the guys in the Northeast, once their pro career is over, their career isn't over. Yeah. They keep going. Yeah, they just, they just race and yeah. race and race yeah. and race. And Coleman has never been seen at a track again. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I really want to get to the bottom of that. Okay, but uh, I'm really. Really proud to say he's from New York. Makes, yeah. me, makes me happy. Okay. Yeah. I definitely remember Chris Coleman, 554. Five, yeah. Legend. Uh, uh, we, did you give yours, Weege? He did Derek Rowe. Yeah, oh, Derek Rowe. Rowe. Yeah. Derek Rowe. Rowe. Right. Yeah. yeah. Rest in peace. He just yep. passed away. Um, yeah. Sixth place. Um, Miami 89. All right. Lee at Reraceables. Thanks to Denny Stevenson for coming on. We uh, Rarick, thanks for coming and doing this live. Yeah. Or, no or, problem. In person, I should say. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate that. Uh, always good to, to do these. Weege, anything else? No, this is awesome. Damon Bradshaw, you rule. Although, yes, I didn't even... I just saw him last week at this Yamaha thing, but I didn't even ask him about any old races at all. You can't. It's it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. No. He's yeah, such a bad yeah, dude, and he just doesn't really remember. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's... Yep. So that's what uh, Treadwell and Debo are for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, everybody. Thank you for listening, and really appreciate. It. Thanks to the sponsors, Liet as well, uh, and Maxis or Maxis Scott Decal Works, Scott's Racing, Denny Stevenson. Thanks for the time, Rarick Weege. Thanks, boys. All right, see thanks. See ya.